Welcome to the Dr. Me First podcast with me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Erin Wiseman. Hey, 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 welcome back to Dr. Me First. You are so in the right place if you are ready to take care of yourself first, because this is the podcast all about authentic conversations between female physicians so that we can move from a life of burnout, brokenness, and despair into one that is joy-filled, sustainable, and that we truly truly love. So are you ready for some encouragement and some hope and fun and inspiration for your day? Well, I'm glad that you joined me on this episode because today I'm talking with Dr. Mita Shaw and Dr. Shaw chose the word EHR. Dun, dun, dun. Doesn't that just bring up so many emotions in you as I just say electronic health record? Well, she's actually going to give us some inspiration and some positivity and cut through the bullshit and give us what she really thinks can help optimize physicians and actually make you well using the electronic medical record. So I can't wait to share it with you. And so listen to our conversation and then stick around afterwards for my own little kick of encouragement. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Dr. Me First, Dr. Mita Shaw. Thanks so much for joining me today. Tell our guests all about yourself. So I am an emergency medicine physician. Um, I work in Chicago, love it here, Um, and am a mom of two little girls, toddlers who are crazy, and um, I also am involved in kind of information services, which is I know everybody's favorite thing at work. Um, So I'm uh, one of the associate chief medical informatics officers at my institution, Um, Beyond that, I actually do um, some medical school education for the M1s and M2s at my institution, um, and I'm also involved with some wellness initiatives here, too. So I've got a lot of different hats, I guess. Girl, you're speaking my language. I think most everybody can relate to that, is that we're so eclectic, and like we like doing all the different things. It's like, well, life interesting. It is. It is. Well, great. Yes. And we were just talking before we got on the recording that you have an Indiana connection as well. So you went to IU School of Medicine. I went to IU School of Medicine. Uh, I don't want to say how long ago, but yeah, (laughs) it was there. Loved it. Still love it. Some of my best friends are from those years of my life. So yeah. Isn't it amazing to think back? Like medical school totally kicks our ass, but it's like the best. I mean, I think that's why your friends end up staying your friends because you're just like, you really kind of went through the, through the fire with them. And so they, uh, they turn into some of your like forever friends, I think. I found that too over the past couple of years is that even if like time and location drifts us away, that you still like, you pick up the phone or you message them or get on a group text, God forbid, and then it just doesn't stop. You know, it's like time never passed because you just jump back into it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the great thing about this community of of being a female physician, having female physicians friends is like, we are forgiving with our friends, maybe not so much with ourselves all the time, but like if time passes or whatever, right. we, we all jump back on. I understand if I don't hear from one of my girlfriends for a couple months and then they just suddenly text me or call me or want to come for a visit. And, you know, I'm like, that's perfect. I mean, I get it because they get it when I'm disappearing too. So, um, it, I mean, it's just very forgiving friendships, I guess. It is great. 
Like yeah. I just said before we hopped on here too, I'm like, I'm going to come crash your couch now that we're <laughs> friends. And that's totally fine now. Like I've met so many good, like my friends plus meeting other people through the podcast. They're like, yeah, come on out. Yeah. And I think that's such a great, I mean, that's the way we should be. I do think sometimes maybe more old school, you know, it's so, it was like, we're women against women, right? Cause we're trying to battle for these leadership roles and you're trying to fight against men for the same position. So you're trying to elbow out other women, but instead we should be trying to bring each other up instead of trying to elbow each other out. I think there's a shift coming because I'm seeing so, so much more and more like collaboration mm-hmm. and like, I call it the brag bitch phenomenon. Like everybody needs those people behind them to be like, brag it, bitch, do it. Yes. Because when, you, when I come to think about it, this perceived competition, usually the other person or my other friend who's trying to get ahead is trying to get ahead in something completely separate from what I want to do. So like this whole tech thing that I've suddenly found myself into, most of my friends have zero interest in that, you know? And, um, And so I'm like, they're not competing with me. I'm not competing with them. And the things that they want to do, if there's any way I can help them come up and get them exposure for the things that they're going to do, because I am not talented in those departments, then I want to, I'm trying to focus more on doing that. I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's jump into your word. You picked EHR and I I bet it has to go along with the medical informatics. So tell me a little more about it. So big, scary word has a lot of different emotions for different people. Um, and I, I get that. Um, I think, you know, when I went to residency, I did paper charting crazy. Um, when I think about that and so just paper charting. And then when I left residency, I like my first job out was with a pretty horrible system, um, in the emergency department you know, at the time I thought it was like amazing. Cause I, it was like, wow, this is like not paper. This is so cool. Uh, when I think about it, the functionality wasn't, wasn't all that great. Um, and then I came to my next institution and, um, I used to moonlight too at places that had Epic. And I know again, Epic, there's a lot of different emotions that come along with Epic. They either you love it or you hate it. There's usually not too much of an in-between, but, um, so I think I sort of fell into dealing with Epic by, the way of wellness, which sounds crazy, right? Because we would not use the word EHR to describe being well. Um, in fact, there's been plenty of studies and plenty of, you know, written articles that attribute a good percentage of burnout to the use of EHR. Um, and so I think what my institution and like myself as a person and my colleagues have really tried to do is try to see how we can turn the tide. Um, which is not an easy goal. And I'm not saying it's going to be successful, (laughs) but um, I think there is a purpose for it, right? Like technology is here. It's not leaving. And all those people who say, I would much rather go to paper charting. It's just not going to happen. So step one, acceptance, (laughs) right? And I think that is a really hard thing to accept when you've come from something that you loved and worked for you. And somebody's telling you that you have to do it a different way. Um, and so I would say about a year and a half ago, I sort of was really getting interested in physician burnout and wellness and like how, what we can do about it. And sort of in that process, ended up meeting the CMIO of my institution. And he's a former physician, an emergency medicine physician as well. So we just kind of clicked right away. And 
he was just so passionate about making sure the way that we handle changes in the EHR or the, the change, you know, trying to progress, you know, in our institution, we use Epic, but it could be Cerner or whatever you use at your own institution is really physician facing and physician focused. And um, I really liked that idea um, because I think so many times, right, we have a lot of these hospital systems that, you know, of course we need our analysts, we need our programmers, we need like all these people who are specialists in technology, but they're also non-clinical executives, right? And so they don't necessarily know the workflow and what is painful and like, what are the pain points? What are, what are, what do doctors feel are, or, you know, our APPs feel are most painful in their daily day-to-day life when they're, they're documenting. And I think really the only way you do that is by getting physicians um, into the IS role, which is different. Um, I'm, it's really different. Um, but I think it's really important. I think it's the only way. Um, and so, you know, what we do essentially is we have this, you know, a lot of times you might just have like a CIO and a CMIO. And instead under my CMIO, we have um, between like, right now, six to seven of us who are um, still practicing clinicians. We still go to work, we still still see patients, and we still feel all the pains of the EHR. Um, and we're all in different realms. You know, there's a pediatrician, there's an emergency physician, there's another emergency physician because our group is very large. There's um, a couple of internists, there's a family practitioner. Um, and, and so what you get is like a good um, representation of our physicians. And then we're, we continue to strive beyond that, you know, bringing in like um, another ambulatory physician or getting input from our surgeons or um, our OB guides. And so, uh, you know, we're continuing to kind of work on that. Um, but what it, it helps is like, we are kind of the, the, we are the ears, right? So when, you know, the doctors are struggling because of X, or even when I'm at work and I'm like, God, this could be so much easier. I have taken Epic classes, right? So, um, and then I also have a relationship with the analysts and I have a relationships with our trainers. And so we continue to kind of say, this is horrible. This is painful. My, my docs are complaining. What can I do to solve for this problem? It's not always easy and we don't ever always solve every problem, but that's kind of the system that we're trying to grow because we're not saying that, you know, we can remove EHR as a burnout source, but if we can reduce it, then that will be a big win. Um, so that's kind of how I fell into all of this, which sounds crazy, but yes, I like met the, met him. So I was very interested in not only those sorts of things, but also like how we communicate to our doctors in a big institution. Like sometimes changes are just rolled out and they send an email or like a newsflash or whatever. Nobody's reading those. Like how can we better communicate these changes to um, the people who are on the front lines? Like how can we better communicate that? So that's sort of how this all started. So it really started off as almost like a communications project. I wanted to then get like more interest in learning around what, like what was out there to help docs. And then I was offered this role and I jumped on it and I, believe it or not, I was like, I never, outside of being a really fast typer, was not a very tech savvy person. And I love this just because I feel like I, whatever I can do, even if I can move the needle a little bit, makes me feel like I have some purpose. Um, so that's kind of the start. And then I can tell you all about some of the, it makes it so, so good that you're, 
instead of, instead of the tool hurting us, you know, using it for the good. I'm with you on that. I think much of the beef with EHRs is the communication breakdown, yeah. both with the doctor trying to adequately communicate the patient case to the computer, but then also like disseminating that information to everybody else on the healthcare team. Yep. And, and then, you know, exactly like you said, when there are updates coming, when there are changes, like having that adequately communicated because otherwise you're just stacking bad communication onto more bad communication and that'll piss people off faster than anything else that they log in Monday morning and they're like, holy shit, my screen has changed again. Yeah. Yes. And the other thing is too, right? People communicate differently, right? So if you have a fresh out of residency or fellowship position who's used to technology all the time, right? They might be like, yeah, I, I just want to watch this webinar. Like that's going to be enough for me. Um, versus somebody like even myself, right? So I, I'm sort of like in that in-between. I think I, I use the HR pretty well. I did even before I started all of this. Um, but I definitely use it better now that I know some of the tricks. Um, but you know, a webinar would work for me, but I really kind of love somebody who shows me how to do something. And so, you know, you have to like attack it from different angles. Like sometimes it's a paper, like, is it a flyer? Okay, fine. So maybe you'll get 30% of people looking at that flyer and being like, Oh, the light bulb went off. Then you get another 30% of people saying, okay, well I watched this webinar and now I know what my screen is going to look like when there's an upgrade great. Now I feel better about it. And I like some of my anxiety has been lessened. And then maybe it's like the remaining 40% of people, you really need that one-to-one -one elbow support. Right. And so we've actually created that as well at my institution where there is like, like trainers, um, we call them like provider and optimization experience team members, and they come to you and, and show you and like round and, um, you know, we'll do one-on-one -on -one appointments and things like that. Because I think sometimes you need that. Like I, I certainly sometimes am more of a visual learner and I need somebody to, to show me things or I need to see it in person versus reading it on a piece of paper. Um, yeah, so and like having those implanted team members to show them a real life example, like, hey, this yeah. is the warning or the hard stop or the yeah. window that pops. That's sometimes so good for them as well, trying to understand it. Well, and you asked a question. I'm going to reflect it back to you. Like you uh -huh. wanted to learn like what else is out there. Yeah. So what have you found? Tell us all <laughs> because I feel like there's a lot of us who like I'm an Epic user as well. Yeah. And you know, you hear about like our Epic is different than West Coast Epic or our Epic is different than institution across the state line Epic. Yeah. And so I'm always like that too. I'm like, do these people have like this shit figured out a little bit better? Like what are their dot phrases? Because right. I want them. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that's the thing is that people think, okay, if I have a thousand dot phrases, that's going to fix things for me. Are you going to remember all dot like a thousand dot phrases? So there's a couple of things. I mean, I think that I've learned um, for my, well, number one, uh, we implemented voice to text. And I think that has been life-saving for me, especially if you do it right. So if you do voice to text right and you create like templates that have defaults and, um, and things like that, that, that really sort of like helps things. There, there's a couple things. I mean, I could probably talk forever about this, but you know, there's a few things. Number one is trying to figure out what do you really need in your note? I think the, we are all so scared of getting sued, totally normal fear <laughs> that we are just like, I am going to throw everything I can in that note. Like I am going to put 
every single test result. I'm going to copy everything forward. Is that compliant? Like we don't, you know, I, I don't even know. Is, is it is that meeting billing and compliance like needs? And so that's the number one thing to evaluate is what are you doing that you think you need to be doing, but you not, don't necessarily need to be doing. We see a lot of that, that like copy forward. And then what happens is if you were to print that note out, it'll be 12 pages long. Nobody wants to read through that. So if I'm trying to read it from a note from another institution and I'm like, oh my God, like it is just like scroll, scroll, scroll. I want to get to the nitty, right? Like I want to get to the nitty gritty of it. And so sometimes I think that number one, we over document um, what we think we need to put in a chart to protect us medical legally or because we think it's easier. And that doesn't necessarily meet your billing and compliance needs. So you know, you think that you're putting in this like big hefty note, but you're billing at a level, you know, that like a level three when you could have been billing higher. So that, I think that's sort of number one. Um, and so as an ED doc, I've, you know, tried to um, work with my colleague um, in this role who, you know, we've created things like templates that sort of streamline some of that like what do we really need in here so that our notes are more concise they're easier to read through um, so that's kind of one of the, one of the things number two is um, if you are using epic I mean I really love note writer something called note writer which um, allows you to create macros for yourself so if there's a certain way that you always like to you know document your review systems or your physical exam um, you can actually drop in like these macros and that just it makes it so much easier because you're like okay this for every critical, you know, or moderately critical patient, I always do document these review systems. So you drop that in, it's one click, and then you just change what you need to change. So NoteWriter is a really, I think, uh, a great tool if it's uh, like available to you. Um, so that's a couple things. The other thing is honestly cleaning up your 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 system. So like again, you have a thousand dot phrases that you pulled. You know, I took, you know. Dr. X's and Dr. Y's dot phrases because I thought that they were going to help me. Um, and if you're not using them, just clean it up. Um, I think that's sort of some of the other things. Um, we also created um, some, for people who do a lot of procedures, there's something called ProcDuck. And if you do a lot of procedures, that can really help with your, um, to tie in your um, hospital like system charges along with your procedure. And again, ProcDuck is something that you can create a macro for. So I document an EKG essentially with, I start it with one click um, instead of a dot phrase where I have to keep filling, filling in stuff. Um, and, and again, the fact that it ties into the like system charges makes it so much easier that way if you, if you have to do your own billing and, and whatnot. Um, so those are some of the things that I think um, that we've learned. I mean, some of the other things honestly are, are, I mean, the big thing I think is that everyone is different. We need to learn that um, and that they, there's, you know, you can standardize a certain percentage of Epic. And then after that, the thing that's going to make it easier for you is your own personalization and your own optimization. And I think that's where the struggle is like, right? Because if I, I took an Epic class when I first started eight years ago, I never got any sort of like proper retraining, but at the same time, we're, what's the, like, where do we meet in the middle? We're all burnt out. If you're going to tell me I have to go take another Epic class every year for three to four hours, I'm just going to pull my hair out. Right. So maybe then the solution is these institutions that can come in with these one-to-one -one experts. You know, you get a training team that come 
and say, okay, Dr. Shaw, what is it that you always document or that you think would make your life easier? And when they first started, a lot of them would show the docs, oh, you can make a speed button. So that's another thing I, I should say. That's a, another great way to kind of expedite things for you, making speed buttons. Um, let's make you, let me teach you how to make some speed buttons. And we started this re very recently. We started a program where we're going out to clinics and basically embedding ourselves into the clinics for a week or two and like trying to get to as many docs as we can, the nurses, the front desk staff. and what I learned is that just going to them and saying, this is how you make a speed button. This is how you make a new template. They're like, cool, I'm never going to do that because I don't have the time. Like I already have no time. And then you're asking me to like find negative time. And so what I've really asked my trainers is to do is say, if they tell you they need a speed button for X, Y, and Z, make it for them. Make it for them, roll it out for them so that they can use it now. It's totally appropriate to show them how to do it in case they want to do it in the future but just do it for them. Um, and I think that that in itself has, has really been helpful um, to some of the docs. We also have gone out there and said, you know, there's certain, um, uh, especially like specialties where they're like, we always just use the same doses of these medications. So talking to your analysts and saying, just default these things. If I want to change the dose, the one out of 10 times that I'm going to use it, then then do that. So we've actually done that quite a bit in my emergency department. There's just certain medications. We, like we're always going to start with certain doses. And so like I literally sat next to my analyst who I love and him and I just went through all these orders and like made defaults. And so that now instead of four or five clicks, the docs have maybe one. And so I think those are like some of the big things that we've, we've tried to do so far. I mean, there's so much more that we could do. Um, but my like number one thing is trying to just make this more personal. I mean, we've lost like burnout is in and itself, like a loss of humanity in our profession. And so, and then you're adding this computer, um, situation to it where people are like, I just want to sit down and talk to my patients. Like I've lost like my ability to sit and look at my patients in the face and talk to them. So how can we like, use the tools to try to make that happen again. Well, I think it's too, and it's so good that you, as you were talking about, like making the default inputs, mm -hmm. I think that's where many times as physicians, we start to doubt ourselves because we see a list of 20 different doses and we're like, oh shit, is it 10 milligrams or yeah. is it 15? Yes. You know, and, and then I think subconsciously that kind of feeds in a little bit to imposter syndrome. I think it feeds into frustration because it's like we always before on the sheet, you know, you would just check, 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 check. Yeah. That's what it is unless you needed it. And then you write it the script for what the, the change in dose was. And so I think the, you really hitting on that brings up other issues about personalization. Sometimes it's not so much about like what is the quote unquote evidence-based right thing. It's about what's personalized to that person. Like for instance, I always use Oropred. Like when I'm treating my peds patients, other people use other, you know, wherever you trained, it seems like that's where you kind of bring your concoctions from. But that's like my thing. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to see all that. I want Oropred yeah. <laughs> right here. Yeah. And, and I want my dose and albuterol. I want, you know, the, the one that's supposed to be right, right here yeah. at the top. And so. Absolutely. And some of that is like, you know, like I said, you could standardize certain things like across a specialty, right? So, you know, I'll give you an example of, um, 
So when we were just in the GI, like a GI clinic, kind of doing one of these, um, like where we embed in their clinic. And they were like, we all start with this dose of versa and fentanyl for our endoscopies. Great, let's change it for all of you. But should you be in a case where you need more or less, you can change it. But they were all like across the line, like, can we just change it to this starting dose? Because this is what we always start at. And I was like, absolutely, that's, that's an easy fix. And then in the ED where I work, you know, there's just certain things like we always or start with 15 milligrams of Toradol. We always start with this many milligrams for albuterol or for ibuprofen or, you know, whatever. And so then you say, okay, well, like I can't see how, and then a lot of these things like we verify with our pharmacists as well. So, I mean, there is, you know, backups to the backups to like, make sure that this is all correct. And then I rely a lot on my physicians that I work with to tell me that they noticed a mistake. Like, hey, if we put something in there and you're like, you know, this is not really like the way I think the most of the docs would want it. Great. Like I am your ears. So then you tell me where the mistake is so that we can change it. And I think that's the other part of it is to say, you know, I like you can create sort of defaults across a specialty. But then just like you mentioned, if I am, um, you know, I always am apt to order X then and order it this way, then, you know, you create your own preferences as well. So if you create your own preferences, that can, can make your life a lot easier. I think the preference lists and whatnot are really important for our ambulatory docs. And so like making sure that they maximize their preference list, because that is life-saving, I think. And so, but again, like some of them don't have the time. So, or they're just like, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then later never comes. And so trying to get somebody at the elbow to say, okay, I, you know, why don't you tell me what you want on there? And I, I'll, I'll start me, I'll start making this for you. And then you can keep adding on. Well, the other thing too, that shows is like, I care as yeah. the ITIS department, like we care, we want to yeah. make this better for you. And we're not going to pile this onto your already expanding list. Like, let us do it. You try it out. If we need to make adjustments, I'll come back. I am here for you. I always loved it when our implanted Epic people were like, here's my cell phone number. And I'm like, okay, I will be texting you like when <laughs> it happens. Because I think, again, it goes back to communication of we're not dumping this on you. We yeah. want to have that two-way flow of communication. We want to talk through. We want to support you so that then you can serve your patients. And I think that having that mentality in your IS department is just so important. So what are you seeing? like nationally with other like organizations outside of your own when it comes to EHRs? So yeah, and, and that's what's really cool. I mean, I haven't been in my role that long, but um, we do get to go to like these conferences where we get to see what other people are doing and we get to share, um, you know, like what they're doing out there. I mean, one of the biggest things I think is, is this return of personalization. I think that's what I'm noticing the most. Um, and people are, you know, it's obviously institution dependent, but a lot of people are really kind of latching onto that, which is, which is great. And also recognizing the fact that, um, you can't just like say, all right, here's your EHR and, you know, come work with us for the next 15 years and we'll never touch base with you again. So I, I think that, uh, partially that is like a big thing that I've noticed in a lot of these conferences that people are, are starting to say, okay, you know, we, not only do we need to re-educate, we need to like kind of start focusing more on personalization and optimization. Um, I think beyond that too, the other thing we're, we're starting to see a lot more of is um, like peer-to-peer -peer education. So, right, because 
you know, sometimes like even now when an analyst is talking to me, sometimes I just don't understand some of the things that they're saying. Um, so the perfect example is I had a, a physician who was having some trouble just over the weekend um, because she works in multiple departments. And so she's working on multiple departments and somehow her profile got messed up and like a bunch of her procedures um, were not accessible to her. And so our analyst sent her an email, um, you know, they were all, they were emailing back and forth and he's explaining to her like what the problem is. And she misinterpreted it as saying uh, like, you know, that the problem was fixed, but actually what he was saying is that he identified what the problem was, but he couldn't fix it. He needed to find out who the next person was to try to fix it. Um, and some of it was just like me jumping into the conversation being like, I'm really sorry this is happening. I'm, I know this is really inconvenient to you. This is what he meant. Like, this is what he was trying to explain. Um, and I hope that makes more sense, but we will try our best to like expedite fixing this for you as soon as possible. And so, um, again, we're going back to like the whole communications thing, you know, um, as far as just the technology part of it, um, I think we're all trying to, um, uh, you know, I think like if you if you keep up to date with Epic, for example, like, you know, having the most uh, most recent upgrades, even though it's very frustrating to say, oh, God, it's another upgrade. Right. But usually every time you have an upgrade, there's actually better functionality um, it's because they've identified what the problems are and what the issues are. And they're upgrading so that they can get rid of some of those issues. So really trying to get your institution to say, like, getting them up to speed with like what the most current um, for, like forum is for your EHR is really important because these companies now are like, I mean, they're getting, they're getting a lot of feedback, right? They're getting feedback from the, all of their institutions, from the government, like whatever it may be. And so they're getting feedback and I mean, they're pre the pressure is on for them to fix some of these things. And so, you know, you using like technology that's four years old is not a service to the doctors at all because they may have solved for that already in a more recent version and it's useless for you to be like using something that's like four years old and like unnecessarily perpetuating a problem. That's what I've thought too. I am, I am always questioning, well, what is like big epic say? Let's not try to reinvent the wheel. That's what I would like to see as a clinical physician been to some conferences recently where we've had some pretty high level epic coming in and talking about what they're doing as far as for wellness and explaining a little bit more about like what big epic does as the trickle down and that sort of thing and i think that's a great point to make to be like if you want the change you got to push into the future 2017 version epic like you need to get that shit upgraded mm -hmm. so that then you can learn it so then you can have those fixes because for instance, one of my institutions I previously worked at, like we did a jump, like we went from like 15 yes. to, and I was so grateful for that because then I didn't have to learn the BS in the middle. Like I'm like, let's get us upgraded. Yes, there's going to be the pain point. But I always remind people, it's like when you take your training wheels off your bike, it's better. Yeah. You got to fall down a couple times, but it's better after you get right. those training wheels off. You got a better, better experience. And so I'm totally with you as far as staying current with what the big mother company is doing because like you said, they are getting hounded right now. Right. And I, and I think too, is that you got to take it. I mean, we are 
our institutions are all paying lots of money for these EHRs, right? You should take advantage or like every institution should be taking advantage of every resource that they have to help you. So like, for example, I mean, I can speak to, to Epic because that's who I work with, but you know, they have wellness representatives. They have a whole wellness program. They have this whole thing called Signal, which is a, it's mainly targeted um, for ambulatory physicians, but it helps to, I mean, you can drill down to one doc how much time they're spending in their in-basket, in their notes, how much time they're spending after hours. And none of that is meant to be punitive. What it is to say is that you do pretty well, except it seems like you're charting until 10 p.m. How can we help you stop doing that because you need a life outside of here. Right. And I think um, that's good to have those monitoring. Where I got frustrated is because I am quick on the computer and they're like, oh, oh you're yeah. average. You're average, Dr. Wiseman. We don't need to do any. And that. I'll be honest, that really pissed me off because I set firm boundaries. Yeah. I don't log back into the computer after I go home. And so yeah. to me, that was not as helpful having those metrics because I was average or better than average because I'd already done some other things, but I knew it could no, be more efficient. Absolutely. It doesn't even, it doesn't matter how efficient you are. You don't know what you don't know, right? So if there's some new great tool or you know, um, thing that you could do to make yourself even more efficient, then why wouldn't you want to know that? If you talk to um, the CEO of, of Epic, she'll tell you that you need every year, like three to four hours of retraining on Epic, right? So if, if you are not getting retrained in any way, shape or form, or being taught anything that's new, um, that could make you um, make your work life easier, then you're going to go maybe from being average to less than average, right? Like, I mean, right now you're doing fine. Great. Good. Maybe three years from now, if nobody's telling you what's new or what you could be doing or helping you with your, with the system, then that's not, that's not a service to you at all. Um, and look, I, I mean, this is a very optimistic view I have. I'm tend to be an optimistic talker. Um, and I like, I'd like to hope that some of the things that we're doing will be helpful in the future. Some of this, like, we're in like baby steps right now, but like, I'm trying to be really optimistic about it because I think it has, I think at the end of the day, if you have the right reasons for what you're doing, um, and you, you have the best of intentions, then you should forge forward, you know? Um, like nothing that I'm trying to do right now is trying to get people to see more patients. Um, I don't, I don't think that that's the right way to see this. Um, if you are unnecessarily getting paid less for the work that you do because of your lack of knowledge on how to document, that's different. Like you're, that's, you should get paid for the work that you're doing. Like, so if we can help you document in such a way that, you know, you're actually getting paid for your work, then that's, that's totally different. But yeah, for all of our listeners are out there who are like, all right, I am fired up. I <laughs> am going to get better at this. Yes. What's your like quick, five minute tip on where they need to start, who do they need to talk to in their institution, who do they need to contact? Oh God, that's a tough one because I think you could take that so many different ways. Um, so first of all, if you, if you are an Epic user, you can always go to epic.com. Um, so that's, that's number one. Um, it, if you're not an Epic user, then yes, I think you, you go, if you have a wellness rep, you get the support of your wellness rep and you go to your CMIO or your CIO and, you know, make a meeting, talk to them, ask them what they're doing. Because sometimes 
again, if you're at a, like a big academic institution like I'm at, you may not even know what they're doing. Like I happened to fall into this role, like in the sense where I met this man as a, as a wellness initiative to ask him, just ask him, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, we're doing all these great things. And he, I was like, you really are doing great things. I had no idea. So number one is to find out what they're doing and then give them your voice. Like be, be the voice for the other physicians. Like if that's what, you know, if that's what you want to be. Um, because sometimes I think here's the thing, right? Like you were mentioning, like if you have, um, so, uh, like an epic representative that comes to you and they give you your phone number and you talk to them and you are in communications with them. That's great. But most places have like, you know what, let's just say 30 analysts and like 200 plus physicians or something like that. So can you imagine the number of like things that they're getting thrown at? So I like to think that that a lot of times they're just over like that overwhelmed, but they're just getting feedback through a million different channels in a million different ways. And they're trying to tackle all these things, which can't be easy. So if you can find some sort of way to funnel that into more concise format, um, I think that that's where you'll see progress. Like, I think um, I've, I'm very lucky. I have like a, a great analyst who works with me in the ED, but between myself, my, you know, um, myself and my, my colleague who also has the same role and then our trainer, we try to almost like funnel that information and it just, it's, I can't tell you how much it's helped just get things accomplished. And I think when you're, you're just throwing things that are at the analysts that are just like piecemeal instead of trying to like figure out a big picture, um, and distill it down for them like these are all the problems this is where if we distill it back to this is where it comes from and that and like prioritization right so like saying what is like okay we could probably get a list of 50 things what are the top 10 that you know high impact like is it high impact for workflow high impact for efficiency high impact for wellness Um, those are the things that, you know, you say, okay, well of the 50 things, let's make sure these 10 things get done. And I always think that a physician's voice should be part of that. Um, it like, absolutely. And it has to be somebody who's still working. Um, you know, I mean, that's the main thing. Like you can't have somebody who's not in the trenches. Like they have to be in the trenches. It doesn't matter if they get by down, you still have to be in there. Um, and again, you won't solve every problem, but like, Uh, you know, some of the things that I'm like most proud of is like that we've, you know, tried to make order entry a lot easier in my emergency department. And I think most of my, like the physicians I work with would argue that that we've been successful in moving that dial. Um, Notes we're still working on, you know, what we thought people would love, maybe they don't love it. So then we'll keep working and it's okay, but you just have to have your physicians as part of the process. Otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for volunteering to come on and talk about a super hard and super sensitive subject when it comes to physicians is the EHR. If any of my listeners are out there and they're like, man, I really want to connect with Nita and like just pick her brain or just kind of stay in touch with her. What's the best way to do that? So I think I'm really trying to get myself into Twitterverse. I'm getting better about it. So um, I have a Twitter handle and that's at M-S-M-E-M-E-S-H-A. Um, and so that's, that's the one way I think that, like, I'd love to have discussions like this over Twitter. Um, you know, I think it's, 
like I said, I, this is a very optimistic view of the electronic health records, but um, I think that's all you can do is you can just try, right? And then, and then you know, hope you can move the needle a little bit. Um, so I think that's sort of the best way to, you know, DM me or, you know, message me. And Perfect. Well, we will put all of that in the show notes um, so that people can click on it and hang out with you and do all of that. Thank you so much for coming oh, on Dr. Me First. Thank you so much. All right. Did you make it through the whole EHR talk? Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest and tell you, I am not the I am not a card-carrying EHRs are awesome person. I'll be perfectly honest. They increase my anxiety level. They encroach on my personal boundaries and let my professional life leak in. I have had many a sleepless night because of electronic medical records. But I do want to say and lift up Dr. Shaw the amazing work that she is doing to empower physicians within her institution by her standing up and being a physician advocate, I'm just amazed with. I was really intrigued and just really inspired when she talked about using your voice if things are not going well. I know many of us speak out and we do it a couple times and we get frustrated and then we stop. And then we just kind of sit in our office with our arms crossed and be like, well, I tried, instead of keep going. So for this kick of encouragement today, I want to say, one, don't get frustrated and quit. It's so, so easy to voice your opinion, to stand up in that meeting, to go to your upper level and say, this is not working and stomp your feet and try to get the attention that you need and then it go nowhere. Don't quit though. Don't get frustrated and quit. Instead, get frustrated and say you want the next level up. So maybe your tech guy or tech girl can't take care of the answers and the questions that you're having. Ask for the next level up and keep going. Because guess what? You can keep going. You can keep asking for answers and for solutions because ultimately you need to be empowered to do your job in the best possible way. And guess what? We are all such innovative people. Our technology counterparts do amazing things when they create all those little clicky buttons and the dot phrases and everything. They can create solutions, but we've got to stay invested and we've got to keep working in the problem and not just giving up and throwing our arms up and going back to our office and stomping around. So get frustrated and level up. Okay, number two, don't take no for an answer. Instead, say yes to being part of the solution. You know, so many times we hear that no and we slink back. Instead, what I want you to keep pushing for is the no's. Every time you get a no, then ask, where can you say a yes? You know, that was what, with Dr. Shaw, you know, she was just talking about like, hey, what is going on? She showed that she had some interest and she was able to get in and be part of the solution and do it in a really great way and be totally in a position to affect change. So number two is don't take no for an answer. Instead, keep asking for the yes. And number three, don't throw your power mic across the desk. You're not Bobby Knight, and you need to save those mic drops for something totally awesome, not something frustrating. Instead of lashing out irrationally, what I want you to do is have a mantra that you say so that you can keep seeking your answers. So maybe it's something you're in the middle of a note and then all of a sudden the system crashes and your notes are all gone and you just want to throw everything up against the wall. 
But instead of doing that, I want you to say to yourself, this is going to be fine. People are still taken care of. This will be figured out. Have something that you can go back to so that you don't throw that mic across the wall, that you don't slam your your mouse into it, that you don't want to like just punch the computer screen because believe me, I've been there. These stories that I'm telling, they're mine. But have something to go back to that when you're at that breaking point, when you're ready to slam the mic, that you can continue forward because you know it's going to get better with three these three tips. So I feel your pain. I know the struggles, hashtag doctor life when it comes to EHR, but guys, it's going to get better as long as we stay invested in it, as long as we stay empowered, as long as we keep using our voice, and as long as we are a part of the solution in the middle of it, directing it. So I hope that's encouraging to you. I hope this episode was as fun for you as actually it was for me. And please always remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.